Welcome to The Full Nerd. In this episode, we talk VR, a $100 gaming APU, and as always, your questions. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode three. I'm Gordon Ma-Ung with co-host Brad Charkis. Hey, how's it going? And our very special guest, Will Smith of Foo VR. Hello. Did I get that right? I'm not sure. Foo VR, that is correct. We just call it Foo. Foo VR, which is uh, going to bring us into our first topic. Oh, wait a minute. I'm ignoring camera person, Adam Patrick Murray. Got to give wow. him a shout out wow. or he'll Thank just you. blank us out. Thank you. I, I do have a question, Gordon. Uh, do you guys remember the first thing you worked on together? First, the first thing. thing. Magazine. Well, so when I started you know. at Maximum PC... I was on the other side of the wall from you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because we were downstairs still, and you were on the, the web side of the wall, and I was on the magazine side of the wall, even though you were working on the magazine. There was a wall for that? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. like to keep things separate <laughs> ah, over there. Church and state. I got stuck um, over there. The, the first thing we probably worked on together was the time that we smoked out the lab and had to evacuate the building. That's probably the most memorable. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, it was that, was that was early. I still don't know whose fault that was, though. Well... We decided that the smoke the smoke machine wouldn't trigger the smoke detectors because we didn't have a ladder high enough to put plastic bags of the smoke detectors in the lab. Well, then Wait, discussion. a smoke machine? Yeah, so we we basically like, hey, let's this, you know, I mean, we're talking 1990s technology, right? So we're like, let's take a computer, seal it up, and and run smoke through it so we can see what the the airflow is in a PC. Ah, uh, okay. And then of course it was like, oh, we were going to do this, and <laughs> I think Will said, well, what about the smoke alarms? Like, yeah. Well, this isn't this isn't real smoke. This, this is just fake smoke. You introduced <laughs> me to the forgiveness, not permission. No, that was you. That and was then you. I went ahead and emailed facilities anyway, <laughs> so that when the smoke alarms went off and we had to evacuate the building, they were extra extra upset with oh, us. Oh man, he he still does that forgiveness, <clears throat> not permission. Thing. She got it's a yeah, good yeah. policy. Yeah. So the yeah the, the building manager she she just is it Nancy? No, no, it was somebody else. She had long hair. Oh, and then we're outside the the you know Brisbane uh, fire department rolls up. You know, yeah. Wah. And 200 people are standing out in the parking lot. She is just giving us this look like. And because the thing is, I swear, Will asked, you asked her, right? I said, I said, hey, do you think the smoke alarms will trigger when we fire a smoke machine in the lab? Mm. And she said, don't do that. Yes, just don't. I don't know. Don't do it. She's like, I don't care. If you do that, I'm going to be upset with you. Yeah. So So we did it because we already had booked the pages in the magazine. uh, We had to do it. Had to. There's no choice at that point. Yes. And then, um, yeah, so that went bad. You know, the other thing that pops up occasionally, people found that time that you and I were on Computer Chronicles in like 2001, maybe 2000. Is that a website? It was a a PBS television show about computers. Huh. I was there to talk about graphics cards, and I was there to talk about gaming laptops. It was GeForce 3. Yes. It was a GeForce 3 laptops, you know, like 12-pound gaming laptop (laughs) that would be integrated graphics performance. I have one of those now. Yeah, a 12-pound gaming laptop. But yeah, so yeah, I, I, and the funny thing is people send that video to me like, I don't even remember shooting that. I don't I, remember going there to, the, to, to do that show. We rode someplace down on the peninsula. I'd never, I'd never been to the peninsula before. It was right after I moved here. Man, that is just signs you're getting old. Yeah. I can't ever remember. Like, and there's proof. Now, I can understand how people can say like, oh, I didn't do that. Well, what about this video of you doing it? <laughs> I Okay. Remember. It's on the internet. That's not me. It just looks like me. But let's get no, uh, uh, let's get into actually Will's expertise. The reason why we're here, Will. I'm. Pr- it's amazing to think that he is the first host 
a, a, a virtual reality talk show. That's right? not true. I got that right? No, no, really? no. There were, Damn it, I can't say that now. There are... <laughs> He's the second host. I might be the third. He's the third host <laughs> of a virtual reality... You get one of them right. He's the third host you of a VR down. talk show, but the first one I know... So he's the first one that I know the, of a VR talk okay, show. Okay, that works. Wait, wait, so there's actually other so there's VR a, talk shows? There's, um, there's a couple shows that run on AltSpace as uh, live events, mm. but they're talk shows. It oh, counts. okay, talk shows. So it's not recorded, mm. I think. Is, maybe they record video. Is it no? So on on Foo, I, I I tried to do it on. I didn't really have a chance to do it my uh, in in the Vive, but I did watch the YouTube link. We'll we'll throw a link to actually what uh, Will's show is in YouTube, so you can check it out. Or you know you can do. If you it have a Vive. If that's you have a Vive or, or, or Oculus, Oculus, right? Yeah. Do you? So any you can have people just pop into the show though, right? So the the way what we set up is a way to capture performances using the Vive or Oculus Touch or maybe even the PlayStation Move. We haven't really experimented with that yet. Um, but, the, but, and then we map those performances and use those performances to puppet avatars. So when you say you watch a VR talk show, instead of watching a screen that's not interactive and you can't control the camera, you can get up and walk around. Like if you want to walk, get right up in my face when you're watching the Foo show, you totally can. And who well, doesn't? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, invade my personal space. <laughs> Go for it. Um, the thing that we did that I think is really uh, different is that we actually pulled. So we were talking to the guys who made the game Firewatch. Okay. Um, and we actually pulled assets from their game into our engine, lit it so it looks the same as it does in the video game, got it to run at 90 frames a second, which is a little bit hard. And then we talked about them making their game inside the actual game. So you're, I, I saw that you're actually inside the game. You're just kind of looking around, they're picking objects up. Mm hmm. So, so we were able to, you know, they can pick up objects from the game. They tell us how they're made. They tell us the stories about creating them. They tell us what it's, you know, we learn a lot of secrets about what it's like to make games. For example, you know, every day after the first one in Firewatch, there's a coat hung up over a switch. They do that because they didn't want to have a switch there that you could see, but you couldn't do anything with because it's the, the first thing you do when you walk into the tower. It's, it, it was, that was a terrible example. There are much better ones in there somewhere. Wait, there's a switch for... There's a switch that turns on the generator oh. when you come into the tower at the beginning of the game. And you don't need to turn that off so ever in the game. So they just you hang your coat on it oh. and you never see the switch again. <laughs> oh, they don't want you to turn the power off to the uh, yeah. generator and set the, set, actually start the forest fire by accident? Exactly. Oh. Yeah. So th there you go. But the idea is that we can take you to impossible places that don't exist, and so we can the, talk about stuff there. And the, it's so, actually incredibly cool. I didn't get a chance to check it out on the Rift, but even just watching the YouTube video, it's like mind blowing how cool it is. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> um, and you can move around in the set, like transport using the. the we have full room scale. Yeah, okay. I mean, on Oculus, you teleport. There's teleport spots around. I think we put the teleport spots into the Vive version as well, just in case people don't have a big enough room. But if you have a 15 by 15 foot room, it's exactly the right size for the tower. You can walk around the whole tower and experience the whole thing as if you're there. Um, it, it, it gives you the other thing that's happening is that because the avatars are in there, it feels like a really social VR experience, even though you're not, you know, they're just canned recordings. They don't interact with you at all. But it feels like you're like as with a podcast, when you're sitting in a room talking to somebody, it, you're in the car listening to us talk. You're yelling at the radio because we're dumb. Like it's the same. It's yes, the many same. People say that about me, but it yeah. happens to me all the time too, Gordon. Yes. It's the, it's the defining characteristic of podcasts. Yes, um, but you get the same kind of feeling because like the, the avatars make eye contact with you. They'll you know they're, they're, because they're software, we can do whatever we want with them, and and it's a really much more personal kind of feeling interview than you, you normally right. get. So it is pre-canned, but the you've actually programmed them. If there's somebody in the room watching, they will look at the person on occasion and interact with them a little bit. Um, the, the, they make eye contact. That's it so oh. far. 
Um, the, there's opportunities to do other stuff that's more interactive than that. Uh, I think the thing that we'll do is more, uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about is doing like a procedural crime show, right? So if you, if you build a procedural crime set and the person who's watching actually is playing one of the bunny suit guys, right? The guy mm-hmm. collecting fibers off of the carpet, right? You're in the room, the detectives walk around behind you and it's iced tea and Marissa Hargitay or something. <laughs> and like, they're talking about solving crimes, and you pick up the clues, then you can put it together for them and hand them the, you know, you can Watson that, that, uh, that, that solution would it, for their Sherlock would Holmes. You, would you get the Law & Order th- sound? Could you use I mean, that? Can I even do that without getting sued? Dun, dun. You can do that one. <laughs> can you, I can't. You can probably do it like three times. You just take that audio clip right there. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a the trademark. Now like, you're sampling yourself if you do it again. Just, oh, yeah. No, I, I then the lawyers show up if you do it more than if you do it three times. I think the lawyers show up. There was a it's there like was a Bloody Mary in the in the mirror. What, what it was dun, a ninety nine pi or something ninety nine percent invisible or something about uh, copyrighted sounds. And uh, they talk about the THX sound and and the Intel, Intel has a dun 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 dun. Uh, oh dude, oh man, <laughs> we got to pay Intel uh, now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do you have a sponsor That's for like this? Five dollars. <laughs> they just sponsor it. No, no. I, okay. I think now they. Yeah, then that, there's five dollar no. check coming now. <laughs> cool, but uh, I I have experienced it, uh, and I loved it. I didn't play Firewatch, so the the actual like digging around in inside the environment, uh, some of it was lost to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because you know I'm I'm a video producer, uh, I would love to hear some of the sausage. I know you can't divulge everything, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I'd love to hear that some of the sausage how how it was made. I mean, uh, if if I remember correctly, you guys weren't even in the same space. So we, uh, for that Correct. episode, we actually were in the oh, same... Oh, you were. Oh, okay. We, we can do the same physical space, or we can do different physical spaces. Um, it turns out in San Francisco, it's much harder to get three <laughs> 15 by 15 foot spaces with good internet... True. ...than it is to get one 15 <laughs> by 15 foot space with good internet. So we set up three PCs, three Vives. We record... We record. So we animate the avatars just with the motion from the head and the hands. Yeah. Um, and we use inverse kinematics and some evolution algorithms and all sorts of cool stuff like that. But they that. could be anywhere. You've got to work on the hands, though, because I noticed the, it was like... By the time... When is this podcast? This podcast goes up today or tomorrow? Tomorrow. So it'll be... There'll be an update that fixes the elbows tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Is it, they're like backwards, I think. Sorry. Yeah, so I'll, you, you want the, if you want the sausage on why that happens... Yeah. So IK works by figuring out what... Based on the orientation of your hands and, and wrists what position your arms are likely to be in. Hmm. When people sit down, they immediately slouch forward and their arms extend about two inches oh, damn, further because right. of the slouching. scalpula. And we didn't model scalpulas because we weren't planning on doing sitting until the very last minute. And and I said, because I'm, I'm the kind of last minute person <laughs> who changes things at the last minute that we've been working on for six months. <coughs> I said, hey, it's weird to do a talk show where everybody's just standing around on a set. We have to sit on stools or something. So I went to Ikea, got some stools, came back, we set it up. When I was sitting up ramrod straight at home, everything was great. As soon as we sit and start talking to each other and we lean in, then the arms are too long and they hyperextended. We weren't <laughs> able to fix it in time. So it's fixed now. We, we, did, um, we actually did motion capture and a beam algorithm. It's a type of evolutionary algorithm. Uh, and we captured something like 3,000 positions of arms uh, and wrists. So wow. that now we have you know, AI that's saying, okay, if your hand is in this position this far from your body, your elbow is most likely here. It's not going to be up here, up here, even though that's physiologically possible. It's really cool. Wow, that is cool. We've and, learned a lot of cool stuff. And what, what about the sound? Was everyone just laughed? I mean, the... Oh, so we um, we tried lavs. Uh, you need to avoid crosstalk. Wait, Adam's taking notes. He's going to try to do this yeah, on yeah. his own. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> um, 
you, you need a, a really clean audio signal, yeah, which is yeah. why it was recording. Very clean. Yeah. Well, I, I did. We did well, a lot of post work oh, on okay. that. <laughs> Thanks, Isotope. Um, basically, you need a, a super clean audio signal from each person that's that's discreet if you want to do positional audio. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple places that I hear it because I spent 40 hours cleaning up the audio, but. Um, Basically, anytime there's crosstalk between like Gordon's mic and my mic, you're not going to notice in the podcast format because it's just two channels. But when we do all HRTFs to position the audio in the space, it, it makes a big difference. And and having everyone in a separate space <clears throat> would help that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would, sure. it's it's definitely preferable. There's some latency stuff that comes with that, so you have the normal Skype, you know, hundred hundred milliseconds to two hundred fifty milliseconds voice lag. Um, but people tend to uh, adjust for that really quickly. So. But, but, awesome. but the, the ultimate idea, though, is <clears throat> at some point you could have a developer from the other side of the, of the oh, yeah, world anywhere. just show up on your set and do an interview, and then you, they, they can walk you through their game. I mean, my, my dream is that – I mean, the, doing the show about games is, is, is the first thing that we did. I think it's the it – we have – it's a small team. We have three people, right, sure. and, a, and a couple of part-time people that come in and help us sometimes. Um, when we did the first show, we, we did that because we wanted – a talk show was easy to produce. You know, my dream is that we can do something like the prices. We do a game show, right? So when you're on the prices, right, instead of, instead of having to be in the live studio audience, we can get Bob from Topeka and come on down him right up onto the VR stage with us. Or um, we can do a live, live interactive performance. It's maybe closer to interactive theater than a television show where you, the four of us can go watch a performance and, and share that experience as avatars while live performers are performing on stage for us. Do you know, you know, the first thing that I thought of was, uh, that, that game show that was on Xbox 360. Oh, uh, one versus uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like hugely important that, yeah, and, yeah. and was really cool. It was a bummer that Microsoft couldn't figure out a way to pay for it and keep doing it. Cause I, I tuned in, was it Monday nights? It was cool. Yeah. It was really good. I liked it. Me and my whole family tuned in for every single one of those. Yeah. I wow. played, I played every, I had a group of people that I played with every week. I have mm-hmm. no idea what you're talking about since I don't play with game consoles. But oh what, yeah, what did, yeah. He, what did he you doesn't do touch. This? He doesn't touch the consoles. What? So the last holdout, Gordon. I'm impressed. Just, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the the setup was that it was the one versus one hundred game show, which is uh, one one main player, and then there's a panel of a hundred people who also are players. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Essentially, and then the rest of the audience, and then you you yeah. get picked randomly to be part of the one hundred, and then. Maybe even part of the one promoted the, to the, the one, one, yeah. And and it's a trivia question, so you have to get the answer that everybody on the that the panel agrees with, not necessarily the correct answer, huh? Um, so it ended up being interesting because they did it on Xbox Live as a live thing with the Xbox Live avatars. So when we and, would and log the live in, host. yeah, and the live host, yeah. and they would pull people who were watching into the one hundred, and then a person who was watching would be a player, and they'd give actual prizes to the yeah, like. It was a completely, it, it was. It, Sounds like really fun. amazing. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's a great sort of you know pre-virtual audience. Yeah, but they shut it down because they couldn't afford it. That's Microsoft tried. It was a free-to-play thing oh. before anybody figured out that really the way to make free-to-play games work is to make them really really annoying, <laughs> so that you have no choice but to give them money. Um, and they never got sponsors. All right, so- actually, I, I saw the memo. There was an internal memo leaked when they shut that down. They said, uh, "Bad news, guys." <laughs> Uh, this is hugely popular. Everybody we know likes this um, this game. There's thousands of people that watch it. Hundreds of thousands, in fact. It seems like it's got a lot of marketing potential. But we've got a really hot tip on this phone company. And we need every bit of dollar to buy this company. And believe me, 
we're shutting you down, but this is going to be so worth it because we are going to make so much money off this phone company. We'll come back and we'll do this all over again. You'll be, it'll be awesome. And that's how Bomber You'll, bought Nokia. Yes, that's yeah, how they bought yeah. Nokia. <laughs> well, so, uh, I mean, what, what, what influences are you looking towards, you know, for the Foo Show? I mean, obviously, you know, late night talk show, but I mean, what, what else? So, um, I mean, for the stuff that we're doing, the limitations of what we've built in terms of, you know, for example, there's no cinematography with VR, right? You, 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 all the tricks that we've learned to draw people's attention and tell right. stories, they just don't work when, when the person is their own camera. Except for lighting. Uh, you can light, do some light, lighting, yeah, lighting, yeah, positional good. audio, you but know, the, a little but, bit, but but there's no cuts, no. right? So there's no like a cut in a VR scene is a really is a big thing because it means that there's a scene transition. It's not just hey, like I flubbed the second half of my my monologue, so we can't cut away to to another performer's reaction or or a, or a cutaway shot and then come back to the second take where I did it right. You have to do these long takes, and eventually we'll build tools that let you blend animations and take two performances and glue them together in a way that's seamless to the audience. But for right now, we're looking at things like um, uh, people who do improv, uh, people who did like uh, mining the history of television is what I like to say. So we go back and we look at things like live radio productions or live stage productions of radio dramas, which was a thing that they aired on TV in the early days. And and we can do stuff like that really easily and 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 make it um, I think really interesting because because we can change things that are really impossible to change in the real world. It, now that it, it brings it up because I mean VR storytelling we know in a game you know there's an explosion so you go to the explosion that follow it draws the light. your attention yeah. you follow the light. But in a talk show environment or storytelling I'm not sure how you do that in a real time VR. So positional audio is really important. The other thing that we found that's hyper, hyper important is giving people lots of stuff to do. So, for example, in the Foo Show, we have about a three-minute intro, which was originally a 15-minute interview with the guys in the studio set. And when we tested that, we found that nobody got through the studio set to the cool part of the demo, which is when they're in the, in the tower. Um, and it's because the studio bit is not interactive enough. There's not enough for people to do. And when you're wearing the goggles, people have a different level of expectation for the amount of interaction and kind of like how much of their monkey brain is going to be engaged versus when you're sitting in front of a TV watching the West Wing reruns with your iPad on your lap. And and part of the the big part of this, the, the, the thing that we have to do is figure out things that we can produce that tell stories but also are interactive and engage people in a more than your traditional passive TV viewing. So you don't mean leaving chainsaws and bowling balls on it. I mean, look, we've thought about putting a fire, Roman candles and, and flamethrowers fire. It turns out is really hard to do stereo accurate, but, um, uh, flamethrowers, uh, laser beams, things that you can shoot and turn bits of the environment into other things. Uh, maybe a paint cannon that turn changes the color of the walls. We're going to get kind of crazy. That's pretty tough. I mean, that's sort of keeping your audience past that part. It, it's like trying to get my kids to pay attention to me for more than three minutes. So I don't know how you do that. I mean, that's <laughs> except yell at them. I look, look, the, the Doritos <laughs> cannon that fires Doritos at the guests. It's going to be a big hit with everybody, but especially the fine folks at Frito-Lay. Brought Thanks, by Frito-Lay. Frito <laughs> so... Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I want to bring up a discussion I've had with Will before. It's interesting. Now, mm -hmm. uh, this is about 970. Now, I've been saying, since Will really has been just deep down into VR for, you know, quite a while now. I, I, I thought that, oh, whoa, holy smokes. I've been there VR since the beginning. In a year, that's since the beginning. I know. Yeah, you're right. 
but it, for, from VR, you know, we've heard 970, you know, quad core. I don't even think they're saying i7, but they're saying a quad part, right? I think it's a i. It's a 4290 yeah. or something 4290, like that. 4290. So I, I really think that, honestly, 970 is just not enough to, to do VR. I mean, like, it just doesn't seem like you've got the frame rates. You're just going to be giving up so much. You know, I've, I've had people from OEMs, uh, Frank from Alienware, it's like, you know, it's different with VR. It's not the same as you looking at it on a, on a great big flat screen. So it, a 970 will work. And I, my, my cynical side says this is just the industry not wanting to scare people away from buying a, you know, a $1,000 GPU or a $600 GPU. I, I think you need to flip that, actually. I think it's, it's not that the industry's scared. It's that the industry looked – like they looked at what, what hardware was out there that could run – the resolutions that the, that the early headsets were going to hit at the speeds that they needed. Because the thing about VR performances is it's binary, right? It either runs at 90 frames a second and it's great, or you you get sags and like 40% of your audience is going to feel motion sick. So it's it's not it's not like the old days where they're you know where we were talking about does 24 frames a second matter does 48 frames a second movies just run at 24 hertz why would you need to go faster than that right. which everybody knows is bunk but it took 10 years for people to get wrap their heads around that this is a physiological thing right if you don't hit perf a some of the companies won't certify your product to go out for sale so if you're if you release a game on certain platforms then and it doesn't hit hit performance targets, then they just say no. Go back and try again. Um, so, so I think the more interesting thing is that because that 970 is the goal for VR, we kind of have a min spec for PC gaming in a way that we haven't in a really long time. Um, I, I, but to answer your question, I think 970. If people are targeting their games well, 950 should be more than sufficient. It's like it's you, you have a budget for performance when you're building games, right? Yeah. And if you I, know what the target is. You should be able to hit that, and if you can't, then you need to go back and cut stuff until until you can. Yep. I think it's uh, important to remember too that, uh, like, you can get by with much lower resolutions and graphic settings and virtual reality than you could traditional PC gaming. Like that 970 works totally fine for something like the Fu Show or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, because it's uh, lower resolution models. It's you know, fairly simplistic as opposed to something like uh, Eve Valkyrie. If you're looking to crank all the settings on that, a 970 wouldn't work, but you could still play it at lower resolution settings. And that's like the key that they're setting the min spec, like you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's about the other thing that happened and this is inside baseball stuff, but the other thing that happened right, right before the launch of the hardware is that the unity builds that a lot of people were building their games on were coming in unbelievably hot with like important stuff like light probes kind of broken and uh, light probes are just a way that you do lighting. It's a very performant. It's stereo accurate. And when that stuff stopped working, then we were seeing like some renders were taking twice as much, even on our, you know, we, we, we intentionally went low poly a to avoid creeping people out, but also because we wanted to be able to perform across all hardware on the PlayStation when we didn't know how that was going to perform. And then also eventually on phones and, and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's, you know, these launches came in real hot. There was some stuff that was, frame rate saggy, especially early on. It seems like that's mostly gone away for me. And I, I have a 970 and a 980. I, I test on both here because um, we want to make sure that, you know, the min spec works. And you're, well, you're, it's okay. It works for you. I think 970 is, is um, I, I mean, the thing that's going to happen is in a year or two, it's the same thing that always happens with PC games is you're going to see stuff come out and it's going to be like, well, you need a, you need a 1070 for this game to run. But by then, 1070s will be 250 or $300, and, and it'll be fine. I mean, it's, it's just 
when you it's the same thing we've been talking about for 15 years, right? When you buy a PC, you decide do you want to buy the super high-end one and upgrade it every three or four years, or do you buy the slightly cheaper one and upgrade it every 18 months or or right. or, or you know, what's your what's your window and what are you comfortable with? Well, and what, how do you think laptops? you know, factor into this. You should absolutely not buy a laptop. As somebody who owns a laptop <laughs> okay, okay. for VR, no one should buy laptops well, That's what I was going to ask because, yeah, you, you use it pretty um, yeah. regularly. So so I have that MSI G72S Dominator Pro. G270S. So yes, what's your G2. issue with it, though? Um, it's it's just, it's it's a ridiculous, like 17-pound or whatever, loud laptop that I can't put on my lap because if you put it on your lap, then you get burns. Um, it, the whole bottom's open. It's, sure. it's just, it's, it's, um, if you set it down too hard, then the display port connector gets pink and you have to mm. reboot. It crashes. It's, it's, it's a, it is a machine. It is, it is a kind of a tuner car, right? Like you shouldn't drive it day to day. You should, you get it out. It's great. Cause when I go to New York, I don't have to like send a, a giant crate full of gear to do VR demos. I can take a, two backpacks and I'm good to go. Right. Oh um, yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think about the backpack, uh, machines? So I know Alienware, you know. So the backtops are one. super interesting, right? The backtops solve the wire problem with VR. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and the size, too, you know. Uh, to a lesser years, extent, yeah. yeah. The the interesting thing about the backtops <laughs> is we don't – everybody hates wires. Nobody spent time getting latency down on wireless video specs because there was no need to until about a year and a half ago. Um, I think that we're going to see the wireless video specs come down and those backtops will eventually die. But in the short term, if you have something, something like the Void out in Utah or um, anybody that wants to do a big room scale thing with a bunch of people in it, I would much rather use backtops than have cables <laughs> oh tied to God. desktop machines um, to do our recording. <laughs> like we, we're, we are – should we get to a point where we're recording multiple people in the same room all the time? We're buying some backtops. That would make sense. We've had, we've had a couple people go hands-on with those at Computex and at E3, and they actually, I mean, it sounds like it'd be incredibly uncomfortable, but everybody I know who tried it said it actually, like, goes away once you're yeah, the, in VR and using it. And they're less than 20 pounds, so, like, I, you you know, you've carried kids on your back. Yeah. Once you get 15, up to 40 pounds, you don't notice after, like, five minutes, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you forget pretty quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> I, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to picture, like, five people in a room with vibes and wires. It just seems like there's, you know, eventually there would be a 911 call and then they, the paramedics and fire department would show up with the fire axes and they'd be like just five people just Entangled. tied up in a ball. You and like, I can show it's like you. one of those rubber Help band us. balls. We're tied up in our VR set. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that, sir? We're, we're stuck in our VR set. <laughs> sir, 911 is for important emergencies. Where's your dad? No, we're, we're really, we're, we're stuck here. We're all tied up. Send the fire department with bolt cutters. It, it, it's less of a problem than you would, as somebody who's done this, and it is a dumb thing to do, it's less of a problem than you'd think. Um, because people don't walk around as much as you'd think they would. Yeah. And, and they tend, so this is, this is, I don't know if, it, I'm not going to make it big because it's, it's buried in a blog post. But we recorded, that's what we recorded the first episode. And it was... It was three people, three desktop PCs, six huh. sets of wires because we were actually recording to an external audio recorder because uh, the the Vive on board isn't good enough, and I was afraid that our in engine stuff wasn't wasn't going to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it works it works shockingly well. What, what do you think, Gordon? How does it look? Looks, I mean, it just looks like a set. I mean, it looks like um, it, sitting like in seats, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> we, well, I'll throw a link to this um, blog I'll post by, picture, by Will. Yeah. Um, but, Although, you know, for the backpacks, I, I have an interesting question. Could you do this um, 
eventually I sort of see if you had a backpack, what are they called? What's the back tops? Back. Who the hell made that? It's like a laptop. First time I heard of it. It's a laptop for your back Back top. Yeah. Backpack. Backpack. My my programmer Andre introduced me to the to the term. That's a good one. Yeah. How old is he? He's got to be like a lot two, a lot younger than us. Yeah. So he's got the correct nomenclature then because he's he's he knows what. Yeah. He's he's been like following it. It's like bag top. Look, I looked it up on my phablet, but it wasn't there. Right. And my (laughs) smarch just it has nothing to do with back tops. Episode from the Veep. I remember that. No, but so I'm I'm wondering like so if you get these backpack PCs, and you could eventually get um, into you know a pretty large space, right? Because the lighthouses, you, there's no limit. You can have multiple lighthouses. You could paint an entire room with it. And you can really just could you increase the room scale then? So we have a hallway where you walk down with Rev One. The with the software that we have on the lighthouses right now, I think you can only have two that overlap each other. Because mm. if you start having more than that, they get confused because they're not coded to do multiple, like there's not an A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right. M channel not yet. Mm-hmm. yet. Theoretically, you can cover all of your house with lighthouses and then you could map your virtual walls with your physical walls and you could just walk around and live in your virtual space all the time. Wow, I'm just thinking like, because our house... Well, for 45 minutes. Well, no, our entire house, <laughs> is like, it's yeah. got crap <laughs> everywhere. When you have two kids, there's just crap yeah, no, everywhere. Not- you know, camping trip stuff, you know, for, and just like... I, you could get one of these backpacks and just put it on, and then you like you'll take a picture of your house when it's clean, and you'll just walk that's, around like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> that's the saddest use of virtual reality. No, that, but that, that's not sad. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like that would be look, awesome. I mean, you'd be like, oh, it's so nice. You know, I'm going to sit down, read the paper. We've, right? all, we've all seen the picture of the guy pooping on Mount Everest, right? He he puts on the goggles from the 360 video on top of Mount Everest. This is this is worse than that. No, that I could I that would that I would pay people would pay for that. I'm Aww. sorry, man. That's it's like Mary Mae. Why would you, you want to walk once? around IKEA when you could like have your house that's clean? <laughs> like, oh, this is nice. There you go. There's a market. for Oh, that, guests you know? are coming over. Okay, um, just take your shoes off, put on this headset and this backpack. Just don't. You can only stay 45 minutes. You got to go. You got to leave. No, no. The the couch has a uh, induction. Oh, induction charger. Oh my god, go. that's yeah. that's a patent right there. there. You, go. you just get you get into your you get into your your haptic couch, and you know the hoses all come down. The brain spike hits in the back and. And you know, next thing you know, you're you're Morpheus. Well, it could also be you're powering like, your own backpack. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there we go. Oh my God, yes. copper top. Yeah. It could work like a Lex- or not a Lexus, but a Tesla, where they swap the batteries out for you. Yeah, you know? that's true. So. You could get your you have super a pit truck. crew. <laughs> I I don't want to walk up to that machine, and have it reach in with the robot arms, and miss. So you actually <laughs> think the backpack thing could go temporarily go someplace? I think the backpack thing is a bridge to get to wireless HDMI or wireless DisplayPort or whatever is next that works. You think that's really going to hack it though? I mean. I, um, stuff. I think for home, it's it's the same as always, right? For home use, the wireless HDMI, they'll figure that out. That like that's a solvable problem. It just means that somebody needs to spend time optimizing something that nobody bothered to optimize before. The backtops will always like if if we get to a point where people are using this stuff in production environments, having a PC with a wired connection with a robust wireless internet connection or network connection is much more reliable probably than the wireless HDMI stuff. Look at how long it took Wi-Fi to get from something that was okay and novel and nice to have to something that was essential and can't fail. Right. And we're just now reaching that with AC. I mean, even wireless HDMI is still pretty buggy after all these years. So. But nobody used it. I mean, wireless yeah. wireless networking was bad through the 90s. And in 2001, when Wi-Fi Consortium released 802.11b stuff, it, it, that's when people started using it. Right. Right, and, got, and it's just only gotten better. Yeah. So if people, if Except people when use it, doesn't it, work. Yeah. 
Well, do you think there's going to be enough of a market driving for that, though? I mean, because adoption, I mean, it, they're still selling out of units, but still, it's a, it's I think, a small market. I think we'll see. I mean, my assumption is that the main market for VR is going to be phones. Um, I think that, you know, stuff like the Gear VR that you smack your phone into, we'll see that stuff being the the kind of consumer level where there's massive scale and hundreds of millions of units out there. Mm-hmm. And then there will be enthusiasts. It's the same as the PC gamer and console audience, right? Those guys, are, those are the hardcore now. And oh, wait, the wait, massive... you said console with PC gaming. I think I, that's... Look, that's console cool. and PC gaming are essentially the same now. Those those boxes are just PCs. Yeah, see, keyboards see Gordon? Device. Oh, you're giving them... Don't, you're going to give hardcore. They are related. Jack, yes, we. I agree that, that consoles should be grateful for what the PC has given them, but yes, I wouldn't can, classify them. Look, I can run Windows 10 applications on my Xbox soon. Yes, I can run can Xbox applications on my Windows 10. Resolution. All it is is a $200 PC. PC with a bad OS. Yeah. I mean, but you could get that on Windows too. It's it's like the relationship between a really nice laptop and a netbook. They are somewhat similar, I suppose. You're using a net, netbook this right is a now. It's a Chromebook. This is faster <laughs> than a netbook. I I just all I'm saying is that if you like narrative-driven cinematic video games that appear on personal computers and consoles. Right. Okay. Okay. Versus Clash of Clans, then then like that's the market. Right. For the for the high end VR, well, that actually brings up something you wrote. Uh, it's fairly controversial. You said that basically the phone VR stuff was just just a just a just a waste. No, no, no. That Wired said that. I oh. said that 360 video <laughs> was a trash fire. Okay, and they put a Google they put a shot of Google cardboard into the headline after after I did my final approval on so it. So it's really just the you you don't have a problems with phone VR. No, I think phone VR is going to be great. I think right now it's rough. I think that cardboard is um, there are some really amazing cardboard applications. Most of the stuff that people look at in Google Cardboard is 360, which is why they tacked that on. Um, I think that 360 video, like I, we talked about interactivity a while ago. Interactivity is the, is the key thing that makes VR work. If you're sitting there and you're just passively looking around, kind of sad, people get bored and they tune off after like two minutes. People spend 10 or 12 minutes watching the Foo Show and it's something that three dudes hack together in a garage over like a four-month period. Um, it's because it's interactive. You can pick up. You can walk around. You can interact with that environment. And you can't do either of those things with 360. You know, when you're, when you're in 360, your, your head is where the camera was inside a bubble of video. And, and so, for example, I'm going to take a shot at Disney because why not? I've done everybody else today. When, when, you, when you load up that Star Wars VR thing with uh, the 360 video thing that they have on the Vive and Oculus stores now – you you go in and you're in the Millennium Falcon. I'm like, oh man, I'm in the Millennium Falcon. I've wanted to be inside the Millennium Falcon for my entire, I want to walk over and see the generic board. And then, no, you can't move because it's 360 video. Oh, like, man. Look, I just want to get in there and explore it and see what see what there is to see. And and I want it to be a virtual environment that I can experience. And and that's 360 doesn't do that. It lets you poop on top of Mount Everest. <laughs> So or, if uh, yeah. you don't think 360 video is great, does that mean there's like uh, no chance of Foo VR show ever showing up on like YouTube 360 or whatever like that? Is it made solely for virtual reality experiences? So we haven't done that yet because it would take a fairly significant amount of dev time to put a camera to like get a 360 video camera that we can put inside the virtual set and figure out what the motion for that should be like to get the optimal experience. Um, and frankly, we're we're with three or four people, we're heads down just making like setting the framework so that we can make the show regularly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, look, I don't, ha- I right now with phone headsets that don't have uh, um, uh, translational tracking, right? So they can only measure orientation, not 
side to side, back and forth, up and down. 360 is a, probably an okay experience for those people because you can't measure that movement anyway. Um, and and we'll we'll have something on phones soon. Um, okay. We'll do a Gear VR version of Foo that's interactive that you can teleport around. There's nothing preventing us from doing that other than we can't run the the math that does the animations live on the phones because it's too intense. Um, as soon as we bake that that those anima- those down into more traditional blended animations, we'll absolutely do that. Nice. You know, there's awesome. a, I, some some guy you know who works in like military class um, you know simulators and VR headsets. He wrote a, I think a Reddit post saying like you know people this is just really a huge fad and all this, but you know I work with this, the stuff the government pays for. <laughs> And it is really hard to do, and it, he really made it sound like a lot of people are not going to be able to do VR. I mean, I mean, it was really like everybody's going to get sick, and people are just kind of glossing this over. And and he said most people just don't spend a lot of time in VR. That's why they're not having issues right now. I I mean, that's that's one of the big questions, right? At this point, hundreds of thousands of people have tried VR. In my experience, I, I've done I've personally run close to three hundred people through demos, right through the demo loop that you saw. Where we show the, um, you know, I, I show our thing, I show Foo, we show Tilt Brush and a couple of other Vive things, the whale, the the whale thing and stuff like that, just trying to give people a taste of what's what's out there. Um, and I've sh- most of these people aren't gamers, they aren't people, they aren't young people, they're investment bakers and and lawyers and corporate attorneys and all that kind of stuff. And the response is always kind of amazing, right? People right. take the headset off. Last fall, when I was showing this before anybody knew about it. They were like, can, can I buy this? What do I have to do to get this in my house? And, and I'm not talking, like I said, I'm not talking about people who play Halo every night. I'm talking about people who sit in front of a spreadsheet and do whatever spreadsheet people do all day. Um, Cry. Of those 300 people, only one person got sick. And, oh. and huh. her response was, you know, I'm a little dizzy and I'm sweating. Not, not I feel motion sick and I want to stop. It was, this isn't great for me. Um, but she also was coming off of the flu. So, hmm. like, you know, people – what Chet Falasek at Valve said last year or earlier this year, I guess, was absolutely correct. If you're building stuff on the Vive and you do translational movement and you feel sick in a game, it's the developer's fault for either not hitting performance or breaking one of the rules of VR. Hmm. And the rules of VR are that the user controls the camera. You don't move the camera for them ever, which is why – you know, you can't do a panning shot in a 360 video because you'll make everybody throw up when you do that. Um, you you um, let them control it. You never sag frame rate, and that's pretty much it. There's not a whole lot to it, right? Just just let the let the user control the camera and hit performance. Who's right. who's the youngest yeah. that you've put through? Um, a couple of people brought the their kids. We put a six year old, I think, in. And he did the – so you've seen Job Simulator, which is the thing where you uh, chop you know, chop stuff in a kitchen environment. It's fun. And he was too short to see over the table. So this was interesting for two reasons. <laughs> he was he couldn't see over the table, which they've since fixed, I think. And you, when we were watching on the monitor and seeing what he was seeing, we got to see the world literally through his eyes, hmm. right? So you're, hmm. you're like, oh, this is what it's like to be three and a half feet tall or four feet tall and not be able to see over any counters anywhere. And then he did the thing that he does on every counter in the world and like tiptoed up and leaned up against it, but there was no counter there. So he just pancaked straight into the floor, (laughs) headset first. And um, he was okay. He got up and he was like, dad, I want to do it again. Put me back in. I'm okay. (laughs) He has a scrape on his chin. And I was like, oh God, this is, don't please, I don't have anything to, you can sue me, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be productive use of your time. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, everybody seems to love it. I put a I put an 85 year old in a few weeks ago, and she was really excited. Like she has vision problems and vertigo problems, so we have people on both sides. But she did the whale thing and she drew in tilt brush and and was cheering. So like people, the response to this and the fact like the thing that the thing that grabbed me about VR in the first place was when I had hands. When when you just have the goggles, it feels like a really neat way to play computer games, right? When you have hands, it suddenly – and I was using Tilt Brush and I was using Medium and the other tools that that kind of grow out of that. And instead of interacting with 3D objects as 2D projections, I'm actually looking at a 3D object the way my brain understands everybody here but Brad as 3D objects. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Brad. Um, mm. I realized it was a it was a native way for our brains to interact with computers. It's it's impossible to state just how much of a difference those motion controls make in VR. As someone who's been using developer kits of Oculus Rift for years, yeah, like you, I put a bunch of people through it, and they all none of them puked or anything. Nobody got nauseous. But the first time you try Oculus Touch or Vive, it's like a total different experience. Like as awesome as VR was compared to 3D gaming, that's how much more impressive VR with motion controllers is compared to controller VR. And, and there's, there's two things. So I feel like motion controls have a little bit of a bad connotation because of the Wii and, and all that stuff. And as waggle remotes, but like the Vive wands and the Oculus touch controllers have the same kind of precision that an optical mouse has on a 2d surface in 3d, right? Hmm. You're, you're getting incredibly precise controls at a really, really high resolution with no latency at all. Cause it works with the same technology that makes the headset have no latency. It's, it's really neat. Right. I mean, it's it's awesome stuff. I mean, Neat. I two billion dollars. I know. I we've talked about this, and it's. I think it's very much like it's like you know, television was in the nineteen nineteen fifties, early nineteen fifties, in most American homes. You know, people just want to see it. I mean, I've, I've never seen people so excited about it, any technology before. You you have a room set up here someplace, yeah. right? Yeah, and people are in all hours of the day. Yeah, and people would. And well, and you brought your person, kids over the weekend. I brought my once, kids right? over yeah. the weekend. Another employee like had people. You know, come all the way up from the South Bay just to check it out because people just want to—they're really excited about it. So, when's the last time everybody ever did that about anything? I mean, tablets, laptops, computers. No. When the iPhone came out, yeah, but people didn't like. Hey, I I I live fifty miles away. I'm going to drive up so I can see your phone. No, I mean, no. yeah, especially fifty miles Bay Area is a lot too. Right. Um, <laughs> I I just yeah I think I think I saw it and I, and I spent twenty years covering stuff, fifteen years covering stuff, and realized that I had to go out and build. So that's, that's why you're doing the Foo show. That's why I'm doing the Foo. That's why I'm doing Foo. Yeah. So what what do you, what does the show actually line up for the what the show actually starts in the summer? Summer? Summer started summer? yesterday. Oh my gosh, it's real summer. early. <laughs> so what what a give us can you to give us an idea of what some of the guests are going to be like? Um it's not just going to be game stuff. He he just wants to be he's trying to no. to get You a, want an avatar? We can make you an avatar. <laughs> that would be. Um so it's not just game stuff. We're going to have we are definitely going to have some game folks. We haven't locked anybody yet because we're still working on schedule. Um, and and with the like summer conference schedule for game developers, you know, I don't want to commit until we know when we're going to shoot. Um, but I think we're going to talk to some scientists. We're going to talk to some people who build stuff with really novel uh, uh, um, materials, and uh, maybe some film people too. Are they? So one of the things I you have to do is they have to give you their assets. Uh-huh. Are you having people go like, ah, eh, we don't want to give you our assets for finding Dory, and you know, have you make your knockoff? I don't, no copy I don't of, think we can render Finding Dory yet. But, yeah, but um, but uh, no. So most of the most of the so when I talked to the guys at Campo who make Firewatch about uh, about their game, I was like, "Do you want me to sign an NDA or anything?" I was like, "No." As soon as we release the game, 
then basically the Russians had decompiled the asset bundles for Unity and had all of the Unity project that that goes into the uh, the executable. So um, the indie folks are not concerned about that. We haven't really talked to anybody at a at a EA or a Ubisoft or anything like that yet. Right. Um, that might be a little bit of a different story. But my assumption is like if and this is hypothetical. If we were doing an Assassin's Creed game. I, you know, where the Campo guys, it's a small team. They just handed me a hard drive with the whole game on it because it was the easiest thing for them. Um, the if if we did the same thing with a big publisher, I think they'd probably devote an afternoon to somebody clipping out just the bits of the game that we need and giving us a little more targeted um, bundle. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, it's the developers work with you know people all the time and and uh, yeah outlets, so that probably won't be a problem. Yeah, and and. Um, I mean, there's a lot of companies that are doing kind of pull your existing 3D assets and make a VR experience out of them type stuff. And, and you know, the, it all has to work the same way. We're mm-hmm. good at keeping secrets at Foo, too. So, okay. like, you can give us your stuff. We're cool. I, I swear, man. <laughs> We're cool. <laughs> what? We've just gone down the rabbit hole in VR here. So. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> no, I, I was. do we even have room for... I, I I definitely want I want to bring up our topic too, which is Brad talking about uh, AMD's AP. Yeah, let's do it. it for I want to hear about this. Okay, so basically, Sorry. AMD has been you know all year pretty much. I talked to them at CES, and they were already banging the drum, banging the drum about how so much of the gaming world these days is esports, right? Call of Duty, League of Legends, Dota, billions of people play them every day, and they've been beating the drum about how very affordable their APUs can make a PC that's capable of running eSports, you know. You mean like an Xbox One? Yeah, basically like the PC version of an Xbox One. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So uh, they offered to send me a little machine that they developed in conjunction with uh, the professional gamers at Fnatic um, that's powered by an AMD A10-7860K and said, hey, just take this, try it out, let us know what you think. What was the total build cost on it? Uh, $470, not including operating system. Okay. Is it like a mini ITX machine? Yeah, it was real small. It was so small, actually, that I tested it by putting on top of our GPU's test machine, actually. It was just sitting right <laughs> on top of the PC. <laughs> it was like uh, eight inches by nine inches by, wow. you know, two or three inches. Super small. Um, so the idea was to make something that could run esports. You could bring it to a land party. That was basically the reason they made it. Um, and, uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised it actually could run esports, No problem. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't get what PC gamers who have dedicated graphics cards and spend $400 on a monitor would expect for frame rates. But, uh, you could easily play League of legends of everything at very high over 60 frames per second, the entire time. Um, Dota two, you had to knock it down to medium at 720 P, but you could still get 60 frames a second. Uh, ran Counter-Strike just fine, 1080p on medium, nearly 60 frames a second. It was really eye-opening to see that, you know, integrated graphics are capable of running these games at, you know, playable frame rates, although you have to tinker with the settings a bit. I even got Overwatch and uh, Rainbow Six Siege to run on it. Wow. How did that look, though? Um, It didn't look great, like I was saying, but you could use it. Like, if you don't have much money, you can run these games on this. I don't, you know what I don't understand, though? So, I mean, you're saying it's for esports. I get it. Esports, big thing. But um, I generally think esports means competition. That really sounds more like a budget, budget gaming to me. But is that... Well, esports, esports does mean competition, but I mean... Look, you know, 20 million people are playing Dota 2 and CSGO every day. How many of those are actually competing? They're just people who want to play games, and they have fun playing games. So this is uh, a solution that you could, uh, you know, build this whole PC for under 
500 bucks, you know, 470 bucks, whatever it was. And if you wanted to not have the form factor, you could probably get that down to 400 bucks. And uh, it's really amazing that you can play these games at 60 frames a second with a little bit of tinkering. Sometimes you got to drop them down to low. Sometimes you got to drop them down to 720p. But I mean, if you're on that kind of budget, I mean, that's the kind of sacrifices that you're probably looking to make anyway. Well, well it seems like an interesting opportunity for a living room machine too, right? Because if you set that up with Steam... You could also stream stream stuff to it from your real PC in the other room if you mm-hmm. want to just have a second real – like instead of putting a Steam link or something in there, you could have a real <laughs> computer that you can actually play real games on. Well, and, and a couple episodes ago, we had uh, one of our editors, uh, Elena, bring on the, the new Nuck, Nuke, whatever. Nuck. Uh, Intel yeah. uh, Skull Really? Candy. Nuck is how they say that? Uh, it's uh, I would thought, it's Why Nuck. do they not call it Nuke? It's Nuck. Nuke is such a cooler name. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, Boy, I, I, it's a nuke. No, it's wait, the drug wait, 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 from RoboCop 2, man. <laughs> I'm going to go out and get nuked after this show. I think it's the failed Barnes & Noble's name. It's Oh, oh nuke. yeah, yeah. Nuke. Yeah, I think it's Nuke. Nuck. Nuck? It should be Nuke. nuke. It would be better. You should if take it a sand here, man. It's nuclear. Yeah, no, nuclear. It, it's nuclear. Yeah, but that was yeah, that was well, like. How, a, how does it compare, Brad? Then because I mean, um, well, I wasn't really comparing. This wasn't like a full review of the systems because oh, this okay. was a system that they put together a bunch of parts. They designed their own system from parts that you could put together yourself DIY. So I didn't think it was fair to mm-hmm. compare something like that against the Nook. I was solely looking at esports performance because that's what they were banging the drum about these graf- graphics were for all all you know like a year now and. Never had a chance to actually test that, so I was focused specifically on whether or not they'll actually do what they're saying. You know, let you play these super popular video games for very little bit of money. But it would—I I can tell you it would, the Intel um, nuke nuck and I would blow it away. That would we would smoke it easily. I mean, yeah, definitely. But that thing starts—it's a bare bone system that starts at like four hundred bucks. Right. So you got to bring bring right. everything but the chip. Right. Yeah. The Intel Intel one is the rectangular, you know, quad core. It's like High a VHS tape. Iris Pro 580. Okay. You know, it's it's $500. You got an HD 4000, right? No, it's beyond. Oh, okay. It's because uh, it's Skylight Graphics. Oh, okay. So it's got 72 EUs. It's, and, you know, and I, I can tell you, I know that a A1058, I forget what the, the number is, but I have the one, I had a chip that was one step above Brad's, and a Broadwell C or Broadwell desktop part would, would definitely smoke that as well. Okay. So. Yeah, but those parts start at the same price as right. this whole yeah. system. The entire CPU costs as much as <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is it's like it's twice as fast at Intel prices, right? Yeah. So it's 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 it, is it really? And then of course, would you really do that? You know, thousand dollars, or would you rather go out and get a you know RX four seventy system and get a lot more performance out of it? So. I I have been known to chuck a nuke in my bag when I'm traveling for a long time, so I can play Spelunky on hotel TVs. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Splunky, oh, best one of the best games ever. Yeah. That thing runs on anything. Yeah, you wouldn't play that on your laptop instead. It's not the same. And I have, oh. I, I have a Mac, so I don't have the weird dongle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a really nice computer, Gordon. Yeah, you want to talk about it? Some? No, no. Okay. No, I'm sure it's it runs very the best nice. uh, desktop OS. Really? I think so. I, yeah. I'm not sure. It does run I Windows. Mean, I think it's not too, Windows right? Seven and Linux. You can run Linux on there. I like Windows Seven a lot. Yeah, actually, Windows Seven. I kind of miss. That was it. a good time. I do miss Windows Seven. Um, do you, and also, I guess, you know, m- mentioning the 470. So AMD also talked about the RX 460 and 470 last week, this week. All right. So, yeah, at E3, PC uh, show, AMD yeah. announced, you know, hey, we already announced the $200 RX 480. It'll give you VR ready performance at 200 bucks. And then at E3 during the PC gaming show, which uh, they sponsor, uh, 
Lisa Su, the CEO of AMD, came on stage and held up the two graphics card and said, okay, here's the 470 and here's the 460. This is the rest, the full lineup of the Polaris family. Um, they didn't reveal anything other than that. They no, just said, nothing. hey, these exist. They didn't say I when you'll get the, them. Oh. The, how about even price? Did they even say They price? didn't announce prices. They said the 470 should deliver 60 FPS, 1080 gaming, whereas the 460 is better for uh, esports on this topic. Um, but the most interesting thing from that is that she, Lisa Sue, announced it as the full Polaris family. So a lot of people were hoping for a 490 to go head-to-head with the GTX 1070. And judging by verbiage, it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. Probably going to be waiting towards the end of the year for AMD's new Vega chips. Hmm. That's a long ways away. Yeah, they're definitely, they say they're going for the mainstream, and it looks like they definitely are. But I guess they don't have to worry about it since nobody can buy 1070 right now, right? I mean, there's like, <laughs> ain't none out there. Well, if you buy a PC, you can get one. Yeah, when you buy a PC, you can get yeah. it. But I have not seen any 1070s on sale, right? They're all, they're all, in, they're all, they're all sold out everywhere. Yeah, you got to like see them, someone tweet about it at like 10 o'clock in the morning and buy one in the next five minutes if you want to get one. Yeah. Give it time. I mean, these are all new, man. Everything's always short supply for the first month. Give it a month. And there's a reason to buy new video cards for the first time in forever, right? Yeah. Wait, is that a Frozen reference? No. No. First time in forever. Oh, see? She's not, your daughter's not into, man, I've watched Frozen a lot. I have no idea what you're talking about. Ask her about first time in forever. He does this all the time. He'll come over and he'll say something and be like, you don't get the reference? You want to talk about Big Hero 6? I can talk about Big Hero 6. Well, actually, do you you know the reference of the title of this show, The Full Nerd? No. No. We can't, I don't think we can say. We we can't 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 blow the surprise. We can't blow the surprise. Now people are going to be really upset with you, though. Yeah. All right, you know, I, I, you know, obviously, are you gonna take your pants off? Is this a full money reference? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, <laughs> he's wearing shorts already. It's pretty hot. I'm on today. camera. I'm not even wearing pants. But well, do a, it, that's, Brad. Yeah, that's the way. I mean, working from home, man. Yeah. All right, I better get to questions. I've promised readers we would get to your questions. I've printed them out and I've highlighted them, so I'm actually organized here. Gordon is the first question. Are you going to get to questions this week? Uh, the first question is, are you going to get to questions? And that is one of your questions. <laughs> and so, that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. a wrap. Uh, oh, this is good. This is actually for from Josh Marshall. It's uh, well, first, where, where can people send these questions? You can how, send how do you questions get... to thefullnerd at pcworld.com, or you can go to the Full Nerd website or a podcast where there'll also be a link to the email address, or okay. you can just you know send uh, Brad a Twitter on it. What's yeah, Brad's I'm on Twitter? Twitter all the time. Shoot me a DM, guys, Gals, or myself. Everybody. Send me a direct message, and we'll try to get to you. You guys have open DMs? That's bananas. Uh, yeah, I well, ignore we don't have 90,000 okay. followers no, like well. some people. I mean, not everybody can be Will Smith. Is that, is that half of it? Do you still get the... See, I'm, I'm not going to make the Will Smith reference, because I'm sick We've of known it. each other I'm for a long time. I'm more sick of the Will Smith reference. I don't think you're more sick than I am. We, I, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. No is the answer. Twitter analytics tell me that no... People actually expect to follow the person that they're following. That, that's good. That's yeah. good. You've ever thought about going by William? No. John no. asked me, John Phillips <laughs> asked me that on my first day at Maximum PC. He was like, are you sure like, Will Smith is your professional name here? And I said, yeah. Like, look, dude, did you see Wild Wild West? That just came out. That movie was awful. That guy's <laughs> not going to last. He's not going to be around for long. How did that work out? That's a, that's a John question. 
Yeah, yeah. Did he? But then did he say like he said, "Are you a big fan?" Because I follow the man's entire catalog. <laughs> My first name is Verlin. He's like, you could go by Verlin. That's a yeah. pretty good writer name. Like that's a cool. People remember that. I was like, yeah, it's. I've been Will my entire life. He's not this guy's. He's got a, he's a last. rapper turned actor. He's, he's got a flame out. He's not going to mm-hmm. be a huge star. Is that how you had Gary fix that movie for him? Oh, did that didn't, oh, <laughs> too soon, man? Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> esoteric reference to Gary Witta. Don't don't. Uh, it's no, going to get no. us all in trouble. What's he, what can he do? M Night Shyamalan's out there, man. He'll come get you. He'll he'll make you watch the Village or the Happening. How does that I, happening? I should work oh, in man, Hollywood. Happening. I like the was the lady in the water. Is lady the in the water. With, that yeah, was yeah. pretty good. With, with the guy with the the one. The yeah, arm. like yeah. everything works out in the yeah, and and I like I like Unbreakable. It's oh yeah, Unbreakable is good. Great, yeah. great yeah. comic book movie. Yeah. Yes, it's the best comic book movie, maybe. All right, I apologize, Josh. We have derailed the train yet again. Josh's question, which we've already sort of answered, he wants to know what's the schedule for new food releases. When are so? What's the actual first release? Any new good titles on the horizon for Vive? And this is a good one. You may know. What cable scheme can I run through my house to use Vive in living room TV setting but keep my VR PC in the office? Mm. Depends on how close your living room. Okay, so uh, more Fushu shows this summer. We're on track. But we had to do a bunch of back-end work to make it a thing that we can do on the regular, like getting audio recording working in engine, stuff like that. Exciting. Um. I don't really know what's coming up on the Vive that's that's exciting. Brad probably knows better than I do because he was just at E3 and presumably saw a bunch of software there. So I, can I tell was you not Star at E3. Trek. I actually oh. stayed at home. I oversteed it from afar. Ooh. Did you I, I, I was there covering it with did, Hayden. What's the hottest Hayden. thing? Star Trek oh, is going to be the hottest Star Trek thing. game yes, looks dope. Star Trek. Well, I mean, we took a, an appointment at uh, Oculus for uh, Wilson's Heart. Oh, that uh, looked really cool. Yeah like, yeah. like Hayden came out saying, hey, that that's the killer app for the... Uh, the the touch controllers like mm-hmm. he he loved it yeah except for Star Trek nerds the touch, oh, the, the, touch the Star Trek thing was great did you see this I saw I saw a video of it but I haven't actually played oh, it oh yeah yeah like although it, it is and, the wrong timeline but which oh, is it the so new timeline yes oh that's, and that's I the, I totally thought of Gordon <laughs> as I was sitting there I was like man Gordon would sit down in this and he would role play so accurately it's like <laughs> Artemis but but for people who aren't incredible nerds oh it's great it looked good and you can do it the good thing about it is you can do it in the privacy of your own home well that that's the secret of VR we can get people to do things they would never do it like karaoke now I, I will the secret about the Star Trek game is you don't know is the people who will play that game they're gonna wear their uniform because you could be like well it's VR you don't have to wear a uniform man it's like no which do I'm you wear in a uniform? Do you have a you have a TOS uniform, right? Yeah, that I think I, and I also have a next generation one okay. for Halloween. Um, so if you want to run from your living room to, from your office to your living room, it depends on how far apart they are. the The limits are going to be HDMI uh, and uh, USB. USB's maximum is what like five meters or something. Yeah, but could you use an active cable, or is it just too much? I know latency. Can you do USB three on an active cable? Oh, does it require USB three? No, no. The Vive uses two, but the Oculus uses three. Oh, so you Um, could you could do active? I think with USB two. I don't know about three. That's. I mean, look. The cost of figuring it out is the cost of that cable plus their HDMI. uh, Like, I don't think you'd want to use an HDMI repeater because you're going to end up with latency because of that. Yeah. But anything that doesn't add late, like if you if you can get it within a, the ten meter cable or whatever that HDMI works with, you should be able to do it. Yeah, I was looking. I think you can do HDMI up to like forty <clears throat> feet or something like that. You know, the only problem with the Vive 
I guess you'd use the extender between the PC and the Vive cable because the Vive has a weird USB-A male to USB-A male cable that I've never seen in any other context. Like it's, it's, they're both the ends that you plug into the host end. Yeah, that is strange. Which is super it? weird. So you'd have to plug it in. You'd just have to get an extender. Yeah. Try I, it and let us know. Yeah. I mean, you can carry your lighthouses in and set them on a shelf. You don't have to mount them on the wall until you're sure that it's going to work. And and if it works, I mean, I, I drilled a hole in my wall between my office and my living room to run an HDMI cable to the TV before Steam Link started. Right, because the lighthouses don't actually have to communicate. They don't have to connect to anything except for each other. Um, and they'll do that wirelessly if you don't have a lot of glare in the room. So try a long USB cable and HDMI and good luck. The trick is you need to have that box. That box needs to be in the living room with you, the one the one that plugs into the PC because it's where the radio is. Right. For the, for the oh, so it has to be in the same room. You probably want that in the same room. Right, because you're not going to try to send that signal through the... Yeah. Yeah, I, it's called the Micro Tower PC under your TV, it sounds like, is the best way. I, I, I mean, I I would give it a shot. I mean, what's the call? The, the cables are going to cost 10 bucks. So yeah. So who cares? 20 bucks. Yeah. Give it a try. I was thinking, but the weird thing is that with external graphics, how far can you stretch out that, that Thunderbolt 3 cable? That's I thought that's like three meters, too. Yeah, but I guess if you, you daisy get chain it, it, you, you can put a monitor like in the three hallway. meters and just kind of run it down. <laughs> yeah, and you have your video card just kind of sitting in the middle of the floor. Have you box. have you tested those external GPUs yet? I have seen them at CES. Yeah, I've heard from other vendors who have um, their own solution that said, "Hey, that external." I will tell you exactly what Alienware said. They said, "Hey, yeah, that uh, external th- Thunderbolt three stuff's working great for you, huh?" The Razer thing. Yeah, like well, all the others. There's basically nobody has shipped anything. Everybody's yeah. talked about it. They're like, hey, Alien Wars, like, hey, check out this amplifier. Yeah, it's big and ugly, but it's two hundred dollars and it works. It works with ten eighty. Does yours work with ten eighty? That's basically what they're saying. Okay. So there's so shade. We they're throwing shade, and they're actually you know they're basically saying there is actually, um, it's a lot more complicated than you think it would be. They're, they think. Was, you know, because well, what's Thunderbolt three like four lanes or something? Well, it's not even it's not just simply the bandwidth questions. It sounds like there's basically a lot of BIOS work that has to be done on these laptops to support external oh. booting, and nobody's really figured it out yet. Nobody set a standard. So once Intel, I would imagine, is going to have to come out and say, "Hey, you need to do this to your BIOS." Everybody needs to do it, and then everybody will do it. But you know how long that takes. You know, you're yeah. ruling by committee, so we're talking. You know. End of this year, probably, for every, everybody's so, to work. So not waiting for the Razer and external GPU configuration for my personal needs wasn't a terrible mistake. No, because, I mean, again, yeah. I think the units they showed off at CES are supposed to be out in May, and yeah. it's, it's past it's May. May. It's, yeah. So I'm, I imagine they're going to come out. They're going to they're work on the Razer. They're going to work on the Intel Nook. They're going to work on things that people have done their work to work, but... Mm. But you're not going to be able to just junk jacket in your But yeah, we sort of, everybody doll. sort of vision like, hey, I'm going to go to Amazon. I'm, I'm going to buy the cheap Chinese knockoff for $50 and plug my GPU in. Yeah. That ain't going to be reality for probably another year or so, it sounds okay. like. So That'd be great. In the mean, meanwhile, MSI and uh, Alien were like, hey, our proprietary stuff looks like we took the right route on that. So yeah. just, to, just to throw shade. I don't even know what that throwing shade means. What does that even mean? I know. I was about to say, I was like, man, I'm surprised you even. I've heard about people that. throwing shade. That's what the kids just, say. Yeah, but what is that? It's like bay. Well, what is the shade? You, no matter what happens, fetch isn't going to... You're not going to make fetch happen. Wait, what? Gordon. 
I don't. I have to look that up. I oh. need the translator, the real time translator. The Google translator. Yeah, Google for translate. Kids. Tra- translate Google. for millennials. What yeah. does that mean, Google? I don't understand these millennials. Somebody called me the world's oldest millennial the other day, and I don't think they meant that as a compliment. Huh? <laughs> Why did they say that? I I can't. I said something that was probably not age appropriate for wow. me. Yeah. But wait, you don't have your... Uh, I have sneakers on. You don't have your uh, Chuck Taylors on. I'm wearing skinny jeans. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> See, but you know what? I, I got an iPhone. Don't you remember when executives used to come out and you go like, wow, that's an executive on stage of a multi-billion dollar company. You mean khaki pants and a golf shirt? Yeah, but now yeah. it's, you know. All right. Okay, we got Josh's question. All right, I got three more. Sorry. I think we answered that. Uh, this one... From Mike from Tokyo, in episode two, Gordon mentioned that he runs a Xeon system at home. Which chip is it, and why did you choose to go to Xeon? I feel that we're at a point in time where more enthusiasts are venturing out from overclock K and HEDT, high enthusiasts, uh, high-end enthusiast desktop parts, into the Xeon ecosystem. And it seems like Intel's game plan for the extreme parts for the recent past and foreseeable future has been to simply unlock and rebrand their lower-end Xeons while jacking up the price. How would you distinguish the use cases for, say, a high-end quad-core Skylake part, a Broadwell E part, and an entry-level 6 to 10-core Xeon? So um, I've run an older Sandy Bridge 8-core part at home. I don't remember the exact part. It's a 2-series. But, you know, it's, a, it's the older, gosh, holy smokes, X79 chipset. I don't remember, but it's an 8-core part. I, I like it. It's actually kind of nice. I, I, use, I use lots of cores at home to rip Blu-rays. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, when, yeah. when, you, when you need those cores, it's actually very nice to have them. So it's nice to have an 8-core uh, in front of you. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I, uh, Mike, I actually asked Intel this when they were here to me, and I said, aren't you guys just ripping us off by charging us um, uh, a lot of money for Xeon part? And Intel's like, hey, you know what? You say that about our Core i7 Extreme parts, but we actually are putting stuff into the Xeon designs that we are using. Like, so on the new Broadwell uh, E, they can do per-core overclocking. You think Xeon guys, you're thinking per-core overclocking? That is a feature that we've inserted basically into the lifeblood of Xeon. So we're actually influencing Xeon for the better. So that's, that's Intel's response. But and all the way, Xeon, then? by the way, give us $1,700 and 23 bucks. Wait, what? It's $1,700 CPU? That's for the Core i7, the 10-core Broadwell E. That is insane. $1,700. And you got to say it like that. Well, for $1,723. For bulk If you pricing. buy 1000 well, yeah, we'll give you what? a break. What, like $3? Well, actually, retail. I'm, I've seen them on Amazon. They're like seventeen fifty. Holy cow! So they're giving you. A you discount. said I can't swear, but I don't know if I can not do yeah, that. You when you're telling me they're, they're giving you a break twenty six dollars. Okay. Holy Toledo! Let me. Get, yeah, you want to buy a thousand? I'm gonna give you a break. <laughs> twenty three dollars off. Who? Okay. Well, give me a thousand then. Give me. Give me a thousand. Oh, yeah. What? So the broad, the ten core Broadwelly is seventeen. So how much does the ten core Xeon cost? You're gonna. Are you gonna do a, a Sanford and Son? I'm coming, Elizabeth. <laughs> this is the big one. The big one. $1,723. You know, you, I, if your audience gets that, no one will. Okay. Well, some will. I, a PC World Show. It's, you know, okay. a P- PC yeah, World audience. So oh, Fred Sanford is great. You big dummy. Okay, I will so, tell you a story offline about Sanford and Son that I can't mention here because I might get fired. How, how much is the Xeon? Like what's the what? How much are you paying for the high end? You can get a ten core Xeon. So here's the thing: you can get a ten core Xeon for eight hundred dollars. What? Yes, <laughs> yes. What? He's what? not feigning this. I can tell. What? That's a real. I don't what? pay attention. Look, the best part about me starting a VR company is I don't have to follow tech news. You at can all get a anymore. fourteen core Xeon for seventeen hundred dollars. 
Or you could buy the Core i7 Extreme part for $1,700. Why would you ever buy the Core i7? Is the motherboard crazy expensive? Is you have to go well, like, you buy do a have to have, or something? You do have to have you know motherboards that support the Xeon. So the big difference is, for the most part, I mean, some Xeons are unlocked, but the most are locked. So when you're looking at these big core count Xeons, you're looking at a very low clock speed. So you're looking at 2.2, 2.4, 2.6 maybe. Yeah, but I don't care. I just well, want to rip Blu-rays. Right. If you're ripping Blu-rays and all you just want to throw cores at it, that probably makes I, sense. I want to rip a Blu-ray in like four minutes. Can right. I do that? If you're going to do a crap load of encoding. Can I do two? Can things? I get multi-socket motherboards with these? Or are these not yes. multi-socket motherboards? So Xeon, the Xeon parts are usually 2P. Uh, Core i7 is not. They cut that so you can't do it. Right. So, so they charge do, more and you can do less. But you can run. But here's the thing. Yes, I know $1,700 and $23 is not. But you can do um, higher clocks. So $1,700. I have owned yes. cars smokes. that cost less than $1,700 My current car costs less than $1,700. My first three cars put together a lot yeah. cost less than $1,700. <laughs> yeah. Like if I got $1,700 out of my car when I sold it, I'd be really happy right now. Yes, it is uh, $1,723 if you buy 1,000 of them. So Wow. Yes. Well, I, I like this reaction from Will. It's, it's like $1.7 million worth of CPUs to get 23 times a $23,000. That's, that's bananas. What I really like. I'm bad at math, so I apologize in advance. That's probably not right. Because don't you remember people were like, $1,000. But now, like, $1,000 for the eight-core part? <laughs> it's a deal. It really so, changes your perspective. I'll bought, take the eight-core part. Well, and they killed, they killed the six-core $300 part, didn't no, they? No, they haven't. They still have it. I it's couldn't up, find it. I was trying to buy one the other day. I couldn't find it anywhere. They're probably just hard to find. Okay. Um, but they are. There is a there is a replacement for the, what is that, the 5820? I don't remember anymore. 5820 part? The the uh, Haswell E six core okay. with the low PCIe lanes. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So that one is fifty bucks more now. So it's about f- you know three ninety four hundred dollars. That was the like best that. deal. That was an awesome deal. But you had to buy an X ninety nine which was kind of a bummer. Yeah, but you know what are you gonna yeah. what are you gonna do? I mean, you're, it's a it's a pretty good deal um, for that part, uh, especially when you're looking at seventeen twenty three. So your so the simple question is. Obviously, Will has got your reaction, uh, Mike from Tokyo. Like, holy smokes! What am I going to do? I would. I wouldn't have said smokes if I wasn't here. Yes, but so like, so look, you're looking at a Xeon. You're looking at a ten core, eight hundred dollar part, or you're looking at a fourteen core. If you really, if you're doing three D rendering and you're really pushing all those threads, that is the better cost effective part for you. But if you're really mixing in those lightly threaded loads. Gaming things, not everything really will push a 14 core Xeon. They're just nothing is going to push a 14 core. Xeon. It is actually extremely difficult to find even workstation class apps that will yeah. push a 14 core Xeon. Then you're actually going to probably get more performance out of that 10 core $1,700 and 23 chip because you'll run that baby up at 4.2 and it'll smoke a 2.2 Xeon because that 2.2 Xeon is just not going to clock Can't up Can't you just high. get two of those 2.2 Xeons and get 28 cores? That's going to be better, right? You d- Yes, it is better because it's 28 cores. Wow. And then for your quad core Skylake part, I mean, that's a great part. Awesome. You're going to look at you know your low fours, four or five out of overclock. If you're doing gaming, you're doing probably what 90% of us are doing. That is 99%. A great chip. Nine, well, no, 90%. You never know. Not Maybe... Brad's World 99, I would say 90%. There are some people who need, do need more than four cores. Mm-hmm. Then the Skylight Park makes a lot of sense. But, you know, you really do need 10 cores. Again, you're looking at that wow. 10 cores. So that is a use case. If you need something that sort of bridges that high clock, but also high core count, then that's that Broadway part. But it is 
$1,723. Honestly, if it had come out at $1,300, I think people would not be freaking as much as they that's are now. That's still insane. But it's 10 cores. But 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 that's $130 a core. I was paying that in like 1998. No, <laughs> it was more than that. I, I It was actually... I mean, Pentium 4 this is Extreme Editions... no Celeron editions, 300A. Pentium 4 Extreme Editions were $1,000. That was crazy. One that was a bad CPU, too. <laughs> the original one wasn't that oh, bad. Man. Prescott got it progressively worse. We made worse. a mistake on that one. Anyway. Prescott got progressively worse. All right, so this actually, interestingly... This brings us to Master Jedi's question. And he wants to know, do you think AMD will ever catch up to Intel or offer procs even close in performance? I think Zen, which I think they've talked about at um, E3 and they talked about recently, going to be eight cores. It's going to come out probably maybe end of the summer, maybe-ish. End of the I summer, would expect hopefully. closer to the end of the year. End of the year, end of the summer, I don't know, but it'll be eight cores. They're saying 40% uh, IPC increase over the current chips, which is very healthy. Uh, I'm going to guess you're probably going to get maybe near Haswell core IPC out of it, which honestly ain't bad. I mean, for AMD, which, you know, frankly, an eight Haswell's core. what, last year or year before? Haswell is two two generations yeah. back. So that's fourth gen. We're on sixth gen now. Um that's going to be pretty good for AMD. And if you can really get eight cores with their version of hyperthreading, you know, out of an AMD chip and they charge $500 for it, you're going to be like, that's pretty good. Are they going to get close to Broadwell E performance or Skylake E or Skylake performance? I, I don't think so. But honestly, you know, Broad, Broadwell was maybe 10% faster than Haswell. Uh, and Skylake is maybe 10% faster than Broadwell. So it, it's not like you're looking at huge increases in IPC for most, for the can most I, part. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Well, how much do you guys weight CPU and GPU? I thought you were going to go, PC whoa, 1723. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to save that one for later. But yeah. Way to ruin it, Gordon. All right. Um, no, like how if you're doing a cheap PC, how much do you weight CPU and GPU today? Depends on the use case. I think for a good balance box... You know, I, I was just looking at you could do an RX four eighty box with a uh, i five um Skylake park and you know the Skylake part was a little pricey. It was about maybe thirty five percent of the of the entire system and then the GPU was about twenty eight percent. I'd rather assume spend that people a are gonna more. upgrade the GPU but not the CPU ever. Um I wouldn't say ever. I would say most people are gonna like a lot of people that built those I five um, Ivory Bridge, I5 mm -hmm. Sandy Bridge parts, they're like, you know, if I can get an I7 Sandy Bridge part on eBay for 90 bucks or 100 bucks, you're getting four more threads out of it. And hyperthreading really does give you a lot of performance and it really does alleviate those loads in gaming. So, okay. you know, I, it ain't bad. If I had a 2500K, I, I 2600K, 2700K. People have told use, us that those will still run VR if you put an appropriate video card on them. Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, yeah. you know, I, they're, you know, it may be. 20% slower than a Skylake part, but it'll overclock really nicely. The big problem, I think, with those really old chips um, is the chipsets are just ancient. They're just yeah. ancient, moldy old chipsets, and there's a lot of limitations with not the supporting No USB 3 and stuff. Yeah, like no USB 3, only two SATA 6 ports. Yeah. They're really, really not great chipsets. But, yeah. you know, who cares? You, 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 you can't run NVMe right? stuff. Yeah, you're not going yeah. to run NVMe. You're not going to run M.2. So for most people, who I cares? I agree with everything you're saying, but I think graphics cards, for gaming at least, are more important than CPUs these days. Because you can still, I mean, you won't get the same as you would with an i7 or whatever, but you can still run a FX6300. It wouldn't pair it with a decent video card and still play games just fine. Right. 
Unless you're trying to play like a fully modded Skyrim or something like that. Yeah, and I honestly, AMD parts are, I think they're great alternatives. I, I sort of think, though, that like sort of as a general use box, you know, AMD parts really, you know, I don't really believe there's such a thing as 100% gamer, so I really think it's nice to have those Intel cores. There's just a lot of things they run faster. Of course, there's a political, religious discussion to that, but, you know, it's nice. But yeah, if you can get by, if it's really your workload is mostly gaming, FX6300, it's an awesome part. You're going to save, God, $100 over an Intel chip. So cool. Well, I mean, that's a great part, even if you're just, you know, browsing the web and doing email and just, if you're not working at your PC doing something that'll handle those cores, that'd be a totally cost efficient way to get some gaming on. Right. Cool. Yeah. So I think that's that's a good deal. Oh, wait. Last question from Anthony. Uh, Am I going to screw this up? Oriental? Oriental? Oriental. Sorry, man. Uh, at Blue Shoots. <laughs> Besides the gaming space, when do you think VR movie storytelling will happen? Seems promising. I don't know, man. You shouldn't try to sell. No, I, th- I think um, this is a question for me, I guess. Huh? Well, you're the VR expert. Okay. You know all this VR stuff. Um, you're the number three host of a VR show. <laughs> world's third. Third. World's third. I'm just change my Twitter handle. <laughs> There's um, got, you know what? You should just redefine it. Like... Well, if you consider real-time VR where we're doing it in a studio in this, world's first. Yeah, but I... We, I'm going to edit your Wikipedia page to say I that. don't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh, I'll create one. I would have to have a Wikipedia page first. Um, they... Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity. The, a lot of the people we talk to are people who make movies and TV shows, and they're excited about the prospect of VR. There's definitely a kind of... We don't want to be the guys that were still in radio in 1953 feeling in the TV world, especially um, there's a lot of technology that still has to be figured out. And we are still, if you look at where we are with virtual reality headsets, even as awesome as they are right now, we're pre at best. We're at like the Palm pilot days, right? We're maybe the, the first trio. We we're not anywhere near an iPhone or a sure. Nexus one or, or even the, any of the early iPhone or Android stuff. Um, so I, I, and, and like I said before, a lot of cinematography doesn't work. So all of the skills, all of the tricks that we've learned from, you know, if you watch Hugo and watch him layer on new cinematic techniques through the run of that film, most of that stuff doesn't work. Right. So um, it requires creating a new visual language for storytelling and, and following a whole set of new rules. Like you can't move the camera. You have to provide stuff for people to do. You have to make these things interactive and exciting and engaging in a way that just doesn't fly when you're watching Survivor on your TV show at TV at home. Hmm. I mean, that really does. I mean, I, I, it almost, that makes me feel kind of sad because if you can't do a, a smooth pan in a movie of something, which is such a cinema, you know, technique, how are you going to, how are you going to well, tell stories? You know, it's, it's the, it's the, the you, instead of getting, instead of forcing somebody to look where you want them to look, you encourage them to look by giving them cues. You know, it's like, and when you play, when we, when we talked to Valve about Half-Life two years ago, they said, look, we didn't want to put a bunch of arrows or a, or a breadcrumb trail through the world. We just made the part where we wanted you to go to always brighter than the place where you'd been. And you can do stuff like that that encourages people to look in the places that you want them to do. Um, but it, it requires a lot of experimentation. We're going to have to figure a lot of this stuff out. I think that you know what we've seen so far from Oculus Story Studio and Penrose and Weaver and those guys is amazing. It's really gorgeous. But it's just scratching the, you know, it's it's Birth of a Nation or the Great Train Robbery or stuff like that. We're We're... We're just now starting to realize what the actual challenges are, and that's going to shape how, how we go in the next years. So probably not this decade, it sounds like. I don't know. It's 2016. Things, 
the pace of technological advancement is accelerating. So I, I think by the time the phones are, are mainstream and good, we'll, we'll see people telling stories in VR. Hmm. So no predictions. Like I'd predict uh, probably Avatar 2 in VR. Because, you know, now he's, in been, he's been working on that for 10 years. Really? Yeah, it's been in production. Are you serious? Are you They're making my three more movies. <laughs> Wait, I don't follow this. Are you making that up? Really? I am absolutely not making this up. This is, this is why there has not been a Jim How many dollars? They're making another sequel to that I thought that was a Hamilton movie? reference. <laughs> How could you even make a sequel to that movie? I don't 17, 23. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, they made, that movie made unbelievable amounts of money. I, yeah, I, I guess. I feel you, Gordon. I don't know how I was... Yeah. Look, the, the, the Space Marine Sergeant in that movie is the best film Space Marine Sergeant of all time. He chewed on a cigar. He got in a mech. He shot some machine guns. He was a murderous maniac. He was great. It's a bad movie, though. Yeah, it was a pretty bad movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to do... Wait. Well, we've got one last thing to oh, do. Right. Oh, right. Oh, 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 you oh, can't smokes, forget. I almost blew... The big surprise. This is the big surprise. Look, uh, I actually have uh, a snail mail letter. This is from Craig. I'm sorry, man. Craig Jorgis. 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 This is a package, and it's actually perfect that Will is here. Uh, Years ago, he used to listen to us on the Maximum PC podcast, and he (laughs) promised that he would send us a bunch of stuff. He never did it. He just moved again. Okay. So he's now sent it. We just got this package this week. This is, this, is, this is a well-stuffed priority mailbox. You can do the honors of going oh, through ooh. this priority mailbox. Wow, this well. is a lot of stuff. Holy cow. These are old PC games. This Look is at that one. A copy of Wing Commander 2, The Deuce. So Craig has sent us a whole box of his old games. Man, and I, I, miss, I miss the... But Brad, dude, open that box. Yeah, gotta, I can see it. But the, 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 the... Oh my God, it's five and a quarter inch floppies. I, you know, I never had a computer with a five and a quarter inch floppy drive. I, I, I had an XT when I was in high school that was like the family computer, but we didn't really use it. I, uh, I did, unfortunately. Wow. Oh, Aces over Europe, Dynamix. Red Alert 2. I bought a copy. I split a copy of Red, Red Alert 2 with my pal Marty, and I had the blue disc, and he had the red disc. Because you could, you could play with either disc. I never played the red campaign. Never went in S2. I reviewed that for ours, I think. Oh, hold on. KOTOR. This is a wide range. This is the Bard's Tale remake. I, that's a highly questionable. You shouldn't play that. Really? I don't know. I didn't think it was very good. Lionheart? I don't, I don't, I don't remember, remember Lionheart. One. Lords of Magic? I kind of remember that. Far Cry Disc? I had a friend who worked at EB when I lived in Knoxville. Um, first Far Cry still still holds up pretty good. Ah. Um, I remember going to CompUSA and seeing that on a display unit. For Far, Cry. Far Cry? Yeah. It was amazing, right? Baldur's Gate. I never liked Baldur's Gate. That's my deep, dark gaming shame. Oh, no. Those games are boring. Oh, no. Man, no. You can't say that. Now they're going to attack you. What, the Baldur's? Simpsons Hit and Run. Wow. This is back when they didn't think gamers had d- DVD drives. So instead of shipping one DVD disc, they would ship 17 CD-ROMs. Here's more Far Cry. That looks like a hell of a box to get in the mail. This is a pretty good box to get in the mail, guys. Four dude, discs for Far Cry. Boxes of yes. Is that are, wait? Were those CDs or DVDs? CDs, dude. Oh my god. PC that, CD. They also didn't want to pay for the CDs. I don't remember this one. Now, well, actually, I love this one. So this is the Legend of Robin Hood. 
Okay. And it says... Don't have to pay for that IP. It says rebate with purchase uh, of MediaVision. What's a MediaVision? It was like an original sound card that competed with the Sound Blaster. If, I, if, my, if my memory holds right. So there's MediaVision wow. and there's Sound Blaster and there's a massive... I, you know, like, we're going to sue you over this. And I think Sound Blaster Creative won that war. This is so, a deep. This is a deep line. This is some, oh, this is some good stuff. Oh, StarCraft, man, you can put that StarCraft. code in. Play that today. Really? Yeah, you can put your StarCraft code into BattleNet. Oh, and look, it just download SSI. Wow. Strategic simulations. Also, have never played Dungeons and Dragons. I'm a bad nerd. Um, Aces of the Pacific. This was a great game. I played the hell out of that. Heck, out of that. You can say I think H E double hockey sticks. The hockey sticks are okay. Red Baron. This was a good one. Uh, I do you ever play Wolfpack, Gordon? I think I did. The, the, it was a the submarine, submarine game. game. Yes. Um, but you played the Germans. Well, I mean, I mean, you did if, have the most effective. If you're going to play a submarine game, yeah, you, you, know, you don't you, want to be the English. Yes. Doesn't end well for you. Um, there we go. That's a, that's a heck of a is box. That a, isn't that cool? Yeah, Wing Commander. Aces too, over though. Europe is pretty good, too. Where's that? I bet this... There's no LucasArts games here. There's no secret weapons of the Luftwaffe, no X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. He probably can't. He's a pure Sierra Sierra person, it looks like. I think Wing Commander 2 is the real winner. I don't know that you can get that anymore. I don't think it's on GOG or any of that stuff. Where's that Robin Hood game? It's right here. Put it over here in the camera shot. That's got to be on fly. What I want to do, though, is let's read these specs. Who made that game, Gordon? Dude, so this is a Sierra game. So you need MS-DOS. Oh, but this is a more advanced game. Uh, you need a 3.5-inch HD. What the heck does that mean? I'm guessing they mean floppy drive. This, it looks like, drive? A, like a Roberta Williams adventure game. Is that 640K, is, hard disk, 286 or better, mouse supports, Thunderbird Pro, and Spectrum AdLib rolling. So, yeah, and wow. Sound Blaster. Wow. Sound, so this is back when, so people who don't realize this, sound cards had no standards. So game developers had to support the sound, the sound card itself, and there was just a war over this. So are there the floppies in here, too? When I was a freshman in college, yes. I was the only kid on the floor that had a sound card. <laughs> so when everybody came over and I was playing Wolfenstein on my 386, <coughs> they, were, they were like, wait. Because, you know, Wolfenstein would use the PC speaker. Right. Or if you had like a, like a sound blaster, it would make higher quality versions of the sound that came out of the PC speaker. <laughs> <laughs> and people they were, were better, really blown. Yeah, it was a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Didn't it have like a MIDI audio or something? There was, must have been MIDI. It soundtrack. had MIDI music. I think Doom definitely had MIDI music, but it didn't run very well in the 386. Right. The um, the big one was Tie Fighter. X Wing and Tie Fighter had voice packs, so so you'd hear our first catch of the day at the beginning of Tie Fighter. <laughs> yes, yes. Very impressive. Yeah, it was very good. Man, those are the days. Yeah, I had. I think my first sound card was a. Uh, I had. This is this goes way way back. I was an intern with PC World in the early nineties. Ooh, and they like, dude. Him. This is like this is an ancient PC story, right? This is they're like, all right, we're getting rid of all this old crap out of the lab. This we're selling this IBM PS2 Model Seventy. Wow, uh, it doesn't. Uh, you know, it was like thirty dollars. Like well, I got to buy this, and they're like, well, you got to warn you, it's worthless because um, there's no. IBM and in its infinite wisdom, there was no BIOS. If you had to reset something, you had to have a BIOS boot disk. You boot it to a floppy, oh, and that's wow. how you change the BIOS in the machine. Wow. So like, yeah, they're like, 
just to warn you, this thing is basically worthless because you can't do anything. But it was beautiful. I mean, it was like an IBM built like a tank. Oh, yeah. Right? So I brought it to my friend's house. I was like, look, check this out, man. It's awesome. And he goes, wait a minute. And it's like, check this out. And he had a boot disc? the boot disc with the BIOS for <laughs> that, that Model 70. I was like, oh, man. It's like, this thing is going to be awesome. Look at this. Because, I mean, we're, we're I mean, it's like a, probably like a, you know, you know, $10,000 machine, right? Oh, yeah. Got it for 30 bucks. They're going to throw it away. It's working. I was like, this is awesome. I can't play my games without a Sound Blaster. Let's see. A Sound Blaster is $100. Or if I want the microchannel version, since it's a, it's a PS2, I mean, yeah, since it's, yeah. I, I got to go out and buy the microchannel. It was an version. ISA slot, wasn't it? Not in the not in this this machine was nothing but microchannel slots. Oh wow! So um, yeah, I had to go out and buy it, and I was like, wait, this is like a three hundred dollars sound card. It's like this is not this is going to get me nowhere. If I want to buy anything for this thing, I got to buy these stupid IBM microchannel cards. Yeah. So I said, screw this. I brought it to a used computer store, and they they gave me a hundred dollars for it. It's like the <laughs> only computer I've ever made money off of. Flipped. Yeah. Isn't that pretty good? Pretty good. Awesome computer memories. Oh, cool. Thanks, Craig. And I'm going to try to get yeah, the screwed up. Georges. G-I-O-R-G-I. That, that looks right. Georges. Craig. Anyway, thanks. That's awesome. And this is awesome because, hey, Will is here in this, you know, 2008. We worked together at Maximum PC. Ten. We worked until 2010. Yeah. So, I mean, he was probably listening to us argue about something dumb that I was talking about. So. Almost certainly. Yes. You still rant? I, I I usually just rant uh, just freelance now at the video crew when I'm recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I save that up. For we them. film a video it's good for the holiday party at the end of the year. Yeah, and we're down there filming a video, and he's just like, you know what, you know what really gets me. You know what grinds my gears. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know that's a that's a that's a tra- registered trademark of uh, the Family Guy. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I oh, I wouldn't say that out loud. No. It's like let's get ready to. Again, you, I'm not going to say the other part. Man, we're never so, gonna so, be able to air this episode at all, are we? No. Dang it! <laughs> we have to pay episode. Intel for using what? their dum 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 dum. Right. You did it twice. Ten dollars. Ten dollars Intel for that you're one. You're gonna blow the budget on this episode. <laughs> uh, there's good news, guys. Good news. We just got twenty bucks from PC World. We can cut the price of the Broadwell E <laughs> to seventeen hundred dollars and three seventeen oh three. Awesome. Seventeen oh three. I just, I just, I, I don't, I, I would love to be there at the conversation when they're like, what do you think is the most we can charge for this? $1,724. That's too much. That's over the line. Stop, pull, pull back at $1,723. Everything's cool. Excellent. Well, totally, they'll Excellent. jump right on that. Excellent. <laughs> What's really interesting, and some other sites have published this, so I don't mind saying it out loud, is that up to a couple of weeks before they announced the price, they were telling us it was going to be like $200 lower. And then, like, at the last minute, they jacked up the price by an extra couple of Well, the bucks. price of sand went way up. So, you know, it <laughs> threw their whole supply chain out of whack. And, and uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And I guess that also tells you, if we want to get back to the AMD question, just how afraid of Zen that Intel is, right? Because it's <laughs> $1,723. $23. So they're not, they're not really afraid of Zen at this point. I, I, I can tell you that's why. It's, it's, it's a line was. from a Hamilton song. Seventeen. They've got they've got a, enough to come down, you know. You're going to love those those discounts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The 13 core version is going to be uh, thir- $130 cheaper. Oh yes. yes. Yeah. All right. I better get us out of here before we get in trouble. <laughs> so too late. Check back in two weeks uh, for your fix of PC talk on the full nerd for audio. 
Listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes and your favorite Android podcast app. Send questions and comments to the full nerd at PCWorld.com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. Adios. Anna and Patrick Murray behind the camera. And our very special guest, thank you for coming, Will Smith. Thanks for having me, Gordon. Of uh, FooVR.com. Go there. You can follow me on Twitter at Will Smith. <laughs>